Hi, my name is Andrew Shankman. I'm a writer, mostly of kids' cartoons, and also the host of this podcast, Goodest Notes. On Goodest Notes, our mission is to interview career creatives of all kinds about the best notes and solid feedback they've received on their work from their collaborators, because getting notes can be rough, but they can also be goodest. We're still workshopping the intro. Today's guest is Mallory. Mallory is a writer and producer based in Toronto. You can catch her working in sessions all around the world in London, Nashville, and LA. Outside of her albums, you can hear her songs appearing on shows like Love Island, Queer Eye, and Charlie Brooker's Death to 2020. Hi, Mallory. How's it going? Hello. It's going really good. Um, I've just realized my fans come on. Is it really loud? Can you hear it? A little, <laughs> but God. not so bad. This is classic. When you're like, I'm ready to go, that's when everything goes We're definitely going to leave this in. Yeah, right? <laughs> I wanted to ask you as a songwriter and performer, do you draw a distinction when getting feedback on your production and song craft versus your performance as a vocalist? Yeah, I think they fall into different categories in terms of like, I mean, there's always going to be like elements of technique in maybe, let's say, like a vocal performance uh, and then technique potentially in like production. I think there's a distinction between like, what sounds good, what sounds like good quality, what sounds in tune, all those kind of crafty things. And then between like maybe the more creative elements, I think I would say that getting feedback on those things, I think always is necessary and always makes sense. I think where things get a bit more blurry is maybe like in the creative, like the songwriting, maybe the lyrics, the things that are kind of more subjective, that's the harder stuff to... Have somebody weigh in on. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of have to approach that differently, I think. Something I find really interesting about your work is how your songs get used in placements on different shows. I have relationships with composers and other ways of working with shows directly where they're getting feedback incorporated. But as your songs get chosen and placed beyond them, basically giving you the vote of, I like this song a lot enough to use it. Is there any sort of channels of communication on your work with those kind of shows? I work in production music. So I work with a company that specializes in sync. So they create a lot of the music and then they have sort of relationships with the clients, with the music supervisors who actually end up syncing the work. So it's an interesting dynamic because there's kind of this buffer between the music supervisors themselves, the people syncing it, and then like me, the sort of initial songwriter, there's like the company in between who might be pitching or might be sort of selling my song to the client, let's say. So I think in terms of feedback, there's always going to be a slight sort of filter. We've had events and things where I've managed to meet some of the music supervisors and that's been great because they'll tell me to my face like, oh my God, I love this one song. Like I've used it in these shows. Like it's great for this or whatever else. And then I guess the rest of the feedback sort of comes from the company I work with because they know what's being used. They know what the clients like. They know the sort of things that, you know, need to be used again and again and the stuff that needs to be a bit more original or whatever. Do you appreciate having that buffer or occasionally do you wish that you got some of that direct input? I think it's a really nice way of working because there's sort of like, I think often with creative people and then maybe sort of like the business side of any creative act I think it's difficult for creatives to sort of I guess handle the commercial side of things I think when you have someone who's kind of doing all that on your behalf and is kind of allowing you to do more of the like yeah you just follow your gut whatever but like I don't have to necessarily like 
deal with the no's or like the this isn't for us thing I just kind of see the good and I think that kind of sounds like I need to be like molly cuddled or something but I think it's more of a case of like keeping your creative headspace as fun interesting and fulfilling and satisfying as it can be so that when you're working on projects like some things don't pan out maybe you work on something and then they're like no we don't want it or yeah it's not quite the right fit whatever so there's always going to be that possibility I think having someone in the middle to help I think it's useful yeah it sounds really valuable 100% protecting that form of expression not all those notes or perspectives are useful in terms of making stuff that's like interesting and fun I think it's easy to overthink stuff anyway when you're making something and if you have too much feedback early on in like a creative process it's gonna be a recipe for disaster like my dad's actually like a expert on creativity, quote unquote expert. And he wrote a book called Managing Creative People and has some pretty like sort of wild theories about creativity. So I've kind of grown up in his school of thought. You know, he says that like in order to do your best work, the maximum amount of people in a room needs to be two and a half. Oh, that's specific. I like that. Obviously, there's a lot of like sort of duos that are like famous and have done amazing stuff. And then there's a lot of individuals, but the sort of larger groups of people and the idea of like brainstorming and all these things he says are counterintuitive to like creativity because the individual like needs to or that small pair like it's such a sacred thing and getting a lot of feedback at once and getting too many I guess too many cooks often not always but like I think most time historically like ends up being a worse product. I can imagine those sort of like larger groups succeeding in spite of instead of because of of their numbers but that's a lot to chew on I've been in a lot of writer rooms that have been productive but I've also been in a lot of you know one-on-one or or slightly over that sessions and they are pretty nice so I'm gonna go wandering through the streets thinking about this it's a tricky one because it also depends on how you then define the end product like I think I saw something that was like Justin Bieber's album had like 75 writers on it like his latest one right so it depends on like what you define as like the truest art or whatever's going to be the end goal everyone's got their own opinion on it but I think in terms of coming back to the feedback thing I guess when it comes to like if I had to maybe be in direct conversation with like a client on something and they wanted to like hear stuff like maybe in the beginning or like something really like you know the seed of an idea the risk that you run in that is that the client or whoever's on the other side of it is going to tell you something that maybe you don't want to hear And then it's going to like kill that seed. Dampen your enthusiasm. Yeah, like maybe you would have taken it somewhere different anyway. You sort of grow in throughout the process of making something and things can change 100%. But I think there is an element of like leaving the person to their own devices for a specified period of time before anything is said. I'm probably going to continue to search through that through the show because I think knowing both when and how and also people's preferences for siloing or not the different collaborators in a creative process. All the different lines that come from you to a show, to the, you know, the editors, to the audio editors, like there's some of those collaborations are important to be in really close communication and others, I think, doing their own thing seems really valuable. I am lucky and I'm in a bit of a different position in terms of like, I write something for its own sake and then it gets used in a placement that fits really well with like, maybe the theme of the song or a lyric or the melody or the instrumental. So it's almost like, you know, they're using their own editing skills or like 
music supervision skills to be like, oh, this song is obviously working really well in this scene, etc. So I kind of have less pressure in terms of like having to create it all at once, I suppose. Right. You're out there making the most interesting and creative ingredients you can. And, you know, well, I don't know about that, but I try my best. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I'm going to go ahead and say it on record. <laughs> can you tell me about some memorable notes or hands on practical advice that you have received in your career? I had a lot of time when I was growing up and started doing music and was doing like different genres of music so I'd always write in different genres and I think I sort of always saw that as like a weakness because I'd place shows and people would be like you're so good but they'd be like but what are you what's your style and I think kind of like taking that to heart a lot made me kind of want to box myself in and in some ways like led me to a good place but in some ways like the irony of it all is that now I do that. I write songs in totally tons of different genres and it's an absolute like strength of mine. But I think at the time, because I was trying to do just artist stuff and not necessarily sort of like behind the scenes composing, that was kind of like an interesting thing to process. And sometimes the best advice is the one that you don't take, I guess, <laughs> Realizing like what you like doing and seeing that as a strength instead of like trying to fit into everyone else's thing is sometimes the hardest thing, but I think sometimes can be the best. So that's like one example of kind of, I guess, going against what people say, but a good example of something that someone said to me. Yeah, my dad said in terms of songwriting, like always try and write something specific. So instead of saying, I love you as the lyric, you could say like, I wash the dishes so that you didn't have to clean like obviously that's a crappy lyric but like writing in a way that's like real and not just kind of saying words for the sake of it like untethered abstractions yeah which I think can be great in the right context but I thought that was an interesting thing that I tried to kind of stick to because it hits you harder when it's like something that's a relatable thing or like action or experience I think than maybe just saying like oh you're great those are often the lyrics that kind of like catch your breath or like that either is real to me or feels real to somebody else yeah completely I've definitely had advice of course like feedback in terms of like starting to produce myself and I've been producing for a long time but I hadn't really taken myself seriously until a few years ago and I think getting advice from people about like gear and not being afraid to maybe necessarily just say, yeah, reach out to people and say like, oh, what do you have? What should I be using? Like not feeling like you have to know everything. Because I think especially in sort of music and kind of techie worlds, I think people can have this idea that like they have to be so in the know. And if you don't know something, you feel so stupid. So you don't even want to admit that you don't know something about maybe like a specific microphone to get or like whatever, like something simple and like a... DAW like if you're working in a certain software like I think always asking questions and being willing to learn stuff no matter how many skills you have is like really important yeah those pools of knowledge are so deep yeah <laughs> that uh I could definitely relate in terms of 
like feeling like, well, I can't hang because I don't know X, but you know, rare is the human who knows it all. Completely. And I think also what's nice is like, it doesn't really matter how you get there. It just kind of matters that you do, I suppose. You were talking about sort of your path towards like thinking of yourself more as a producer, aside from the technical advice that you got along the way. Did anyone have any advice that helped you sort of like along that journey of, yeah, I am a producer. This is what I do. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I actually had a really great experience. I went to Nashville and I wrote with like a bunch of writers and was working with a really talented songwriter called Jodie Marr. And she took me to like meet different people in Nashville. And I met up with someone at Universal Publishing. So I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is like a big deal. Like this is someone that, you know, who's clearly done really well and like you'd respect or whatever. And I first sort of showed the guy like some songs that I had recorded with like different producers and stuff. And then I'd been working on these demos, but I hadn't really played them to many people. And I was kind of like still in that doubtful phase in my brain, like, oh no, they're just rubbish. Like I'm not a producer or anything. And then like played him all the songs. And then he was like, oh, that's my favorite. And that was like the ones that I'd done myself. And then I think sort of him saying like, oh, that's great, was enough for me to be like, oh, wow, okay, I'm overthinking this. And actually, I think following my own instincts and going for it was the best idea. That uh, That's already a common thread in the people that I've spoken to for the podcast is like the power of, you know, the note, I like this or this is good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess I'm speaking to listeners who give notes in their work or, you know, just on occasion that while that kind of thing can sometimes feel unhelpful. Often it can make a really big difference (laughs) to just say, you know, when you like it, say it. Yeah, exactly. And I think also though, there's like, there's a difference. I think getting feedback from your parents or someone close to you who's going to say, oh, you're amazing. Like, it sounds great. Like, not necessarily in a mean way, but like, maybe they don't know what maybe they're just supporting you and they're like... And they're still impressed that you can walk. Yeah, like completely, exactly. (laughs) So it's like... The bar is a bit different, but I think when it's people that you respect or when it's people that are maybe in the same industry as you or you can get feedback from like mentors and those kind of people, when they genuinely say like, oh, this is really good. Or I remember the first time having like a song that I produced entirely myself, like on a show, I was like, oh, this is insane. Like it's completely in my own head that I thought that I couldn't do it. Right. But clearly this has gone to enough people that either they're all crazy or it's actually okay. Yeah, I need to accept this. <laughs> exactly. And it's like a, a lot of that is also like accepting that feedback and I think internalizing it in a good way that can motivate you down the line. Because sometimes people brush compliments off or they can brush like feedback off. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. So someone could be like, oh, I think you need to improve this. And some people maybe can say like, no, well, it's, it's my way or the highway or like this is how I work or this is what I do. And I think being open to learning is very important as well. I have one more kind of like, I guess, following your instinct story thing. I put out an EP. I was sending a song to the label I work with and the main lyrics, like there's something sweet about death. And my A&R guy loved it and was like, this is gonna be great. And then we met up or something and he was like, oh, I played it to like the rest of the office. And a few of them were a bit unsure. They, they thought that that lyric was like too morbid, like maybe not very commercial, like maybe we could try and change it. And 
he was like, I'm not sure. And I said immediately, I was like, no, I'm not changing it. I was like, that is the whole point of this song. Like I wrote it for this reason, X, Y, Z. And I was like, I'd rather it doesn't get used, but like I was true to the song than whatever. And he was like, totally fine. Yeah, like hundred percent. I'm just gonna like go for it and like, you know, champion and that. Months later, down the line, like it's been used on like so many things. Hell yeah! Like Halloween <laughs> things, like really emotional scenes, like in tons of TV. And it was interesting because it was almost like not everyone always knows what people want until. I'm not saying I'm the first person to do that, but I'm saying that's just an example of feeling as though you're sort of breaking the mold slightly, and it paid off, I guess. Yeah, it's good to transgress a little bit. Yeah. That's lovely. As I'm saying this, I don't want to suggest that that kind of stick to itness is anything but yours. But earlier talking about your father's perspective, do you think that given the nature of his work, that he helped you to sort of get to a place where you're kind of like able to see the creative necessity of those kinds of decisions? Yeah, absolutely. Like he helped to teach me, I guess, to like follow your intuition in terms of like, there were definitely times before when I was a bit younger where I was like, oh no, you shouldn't really edit yourself. And because what you've written is probably from the heart and it's probably great and whatever, like that's why I wrote it. But then I think kind of as I got older and Sometimes I'd take lyrics to him and be like, oh, what do you think of this? And then he'd be like, no, you can push it further. And I think he definitely helped me to find my voice in the sense of encourage me to just, and my, my mom was my biggest supporter. So if anything, more credit goes to her in terms of encouraging me. But I think your idea is always going to feel weird until it's like finished and someone's like, it's great. Like, but you kind of have to block all that out and like while you're doing it and while you're in it. And then you can always edit stuff. And like, you know, when you're out of that like purple patch, out of that zone sort of phase, that also just comes with confidence in your own voice and really, you know, experimenting a lot and writing with other people definitely teaches you things. So I think you can take things from everyone, but at the end of the day, once you start knowing your style or your whatever it is you do, it could be anything creative, I suppose. I think it's really important to pursue it and to speak up if you feel as though your creative vision's being taken away somehow or if it's being modified in a way that's... Right. The thing you're resonating with. Completely, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It just makes me think about like having the sort of stability and experience to like sit with something that's wobbly you know like as a creative idea is kind of yeah. like on its chicken legs I don't always have that but it's a good thing to have <laughs> it's time for unsolicited feedback Ooh. I'm gonna throw you some topics sometimes they can be a little abstract and I want you to try and give some like constructive okay. notes on like the idea of it do you have any notes for microphones like broadly microphones. I would say keep working. Don't not work. You need to work when I want you to work and just stay stay close. Have you had some bad microphones failing you at an inopportune moment? Yeah, I don't know if it's, bless them. I don't think it's, I, sometimes I'm like, I don't think it's the mic. I think it's like the cables. And I think maybe microphones. Getting a bad rap. Everyone's always like, oh, it's the mic. And then it's like, mm, is it though? Maybe then microphones should get better friends, you know, associate with better cables. Yes, exactly. Associate with better cables. 100%. Next topic. Can you give some notes to movie sequels? If you're not going to be better than the first, don't bother trying. Just get out of here. If the first one's iconic, don't right. do not do it. I think that's, oh, I don't know. I have that with like series as well recently. Like 
even if I love love the show or I love the movie, I'm like, and I want to see it more. Sometimes I'm like, now you've ruined it. So I'd say think hard before you come into existence. <laughs> unless it's unless it's anything to do with Shrek. They can make unlimited Shreks. Yeah, Shrek forever. Yeah. Can you give some constructive notes to the concept of playlists? I would say playlists are actually pretty amazing and endless in the sense of I love the fact you can have a playlist of one song. Someone actually made a playlist of one of my songs and listened to it. Like, I think it was like 50 times I saw. God bless them. God bless them. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, if you're going to make a playlist and you're going to put my songs on it, then I love you, A. And B, make sure that the names are creative but relevant because when you're looking that stuff up, like if I'm typing in like chill dinner time or something, I'm like, I want that to be a chill dinner time. <laughs> right. Not something off the wall. Name yourself evocatively and then yeah, live up to it. I, yeah, ideally. Do you have any notes or feedback to YouTube how-to videos? Well, we were actually talking about this and how they've taken away the dislike button and wondering if that's a good thing for how-to videos because... Were you a big user of the dislike button were you out there no i'm not i'm not at all patrick my partner actually said this and he was like it's annoying because now i can't see if the video is helpful because when people would dislike a how-to thing or like then you could be like oh, I'm not going to follow this one because maybe it's terrible. Maybe I won't be able to do the thing if I followed the advice. Maybe they need a useful, unuseful button. Potentially. A little less mean. Don't get me wrong. I I would love to have the dislikes taken away. I think that's ideal. But for the how-to video specifically, I would say... I'd say just keep doing what you're doing because the fact that you can pretty much look up absolutely anything on YouTube is insane and bless the hearts of anyone who makes a how-to video, genuinely. Like you're doing the world a service. Yeah, there are many, you know, things about the present that make me feel sad. Uh, in fact, there's many things about YouTube that make me feel sad. But <laughs> yeah. being able to learn, you know, more or less anything is pretty cool. I'll take it. I'll take it, yeah. Great. Well, this is bringing us to the end of the show. Mallory, do you have anything that you'd like to plug or, or talk to the people about? Yeah. So I put out my third album. So go listen to that on Spotify. It's very good. Under Mallory, M-A-L-O-R-Y. Just keep watching Netflix because you'll probably hear my music (laughs) somewhere in my Instagram if you want to follow some of the random things I get up to. Then it's at Mallory Official. If you want to follow the show, we're at Goodest Notes on Instagram. And if you have a subject you would like a future guest to weigh in on or give notes on, please write it to goodestnotes at gmail.com. And that is the end of our show. We're produced by Drew Thomas, who also wrote the Goodest Notes theme song along with myself. We held hands the entire time. How nice. Let's do this again. Bye. Actually, a Shrek Forever. What was the fourth Shrek move? Doesn't matter. We can go on.